Good evening, dummies. Yes, I called you dummies. Don't get offense. Episode 264. I'll explain the dummy things in a second. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Hillary Clinton. And she shared with all of us a speech, her acceptance speech as president that never was. And it's very comical and very interesting. Tonight, we'll have a good time talking about that. We'll also have an after show with all of our live people who are watching now. It's wonderful to see you. 90 plus on. It's always good to have a large crowd. Folks, stick with me. After these messages, I will be right back and we will have the show about Hillary Rodham Clinton. Hey, dummies. This is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me. What is a dummy? A dummy is a Don't Unfriend Me. It's an acronym. It's not an insult. So if you hear me say it throughout the show, please don't take offense. Second, If you would do me a favor and like, share, and subscribe, you can find all of my sites, Facebook, YouTube, Apple, Instagram, all the podcasts you can think of, and Rumble. Stop on by, say hello. It's at Don't Unfriend Me Show. I would greatly appreciate it. Last but not least, you can go to DontUnfriendMe.com and follow my blog, all of my videos there. You can also hit the shop where I've got Don't Unfriend Me gear like this shirt that you can peruse and find something that you enjoy and support the show. All Made in America, 10% goes to Travis Mannion Foundation for every purchase, and veterans get a discount. So, thank you. There's my quick advertisement. I'll play this before the show instead of doing it live, and hopefully it makes things go faster. Thanks, dummies. I appreciate it. Recorded from an undisclosed location. Always honest always direct so sit back relax don't unfriend me starts right now well once again thank you so much for stopping by matthew spear from don't unfriend me now you know what a dummy is and we can get into the show please remember to like share and subscribe it keeps the lights on and you can see that little counter behind me going up and down if you want to live in infamy forever in the annals of history of don't unfriend me throw me a quick like and you'll see it change if you're live otherwise well maybe you can watch the unrecorded show and time it sync it up and somehow figure it out it doesn't matter let's get to the show tonight it's my party and i will suicide you if i want to hillary rodham clinton is back yet again Hillary Clinton is revealing what would have been her victory speech had she defeated Donald Trump in the 2016 general election. In other words, if my grandmother had balls, she would be my grandfather. Clinton has previously revealed she never wrote a concession speech ahead of Election Day, saying that although the last 10 days of the campaign were littered with bumps, she still believed she would emerge victorious. The former Secretary of State is now sharing her fabled speech on the streaming platform Masterclass. Her speech centers on her journey as well as that of her mother. Let's take a second and watch the intro video. It's a hoot. And finally, Hillary Clinton, the former Secretary of State. Look at this. Sitting down with Willie Geist in a revealing conversation for Sunday today and talking about her upcoming Masterclass, Clinton shares the would-have-been victory speech she wrote leading up to the election and the election night in 2016. that is going to stick out to most people in this master class is an extraordinary one mm-hmm. where you sit down and you read what you call the would-be victory speech. Mm-hmm. My fellow Americans, today you sent a message to the whole world. 
What compelled you to sit down and revisit that speech? Well, I wanted to be as helpful as I could to the viewers and to the process of being in a master class. So I didn't, as you know, write a concession speech because even though we had a lot of bumps those last 10 days, uh, I, I still thought, you know, we could pull it out. So I worked on um, a speech that really was about my journey and had a, had a real emphasis on my mother's life and journey as a way of, you know, making it clear that, yes, I would be the first woman president, but I, I like everybody, uh, stood on the shoulders and lived the lives uh, and the experiences of those who came before us. I dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms and saying, look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children and as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. Mm. Mm. Well, now that is powerful. Yeah. Hillary's masterclass, it focuses on resilience and it's out December 9th. And to catch their full conversation, tune in this weekend to Sunday Today with Willie Geis. Focuses on resilience, more like denial. Man, I despise the media talking heads. Now, I am not a heartless bastard. I have done many reads in the professional sense and this show, and it can get emotional from time to time. So I will just say this. If she showed even a scintilla of emotion like that for the American people she was supposed to represent, maybe she would have actually stood a chance. But more on that later. The Masterclass program is designed for tutelage and for aspiring craft masters to learn from the brightest and most successful in modern-day times. So it begs the question, how in the hell did Hillary Clinton get a seat at the table? In one of her sessions, she is quoted as saying, In this lesson, I'm going to face one of my most public defeats head-on by sharing with you the speech I had hoped to deliver if I had won the 2016 election. In one excerpt from her speech, Clinton addresses what it would have meant to be America's first female president. When the hell is she kidding? What is her next class? How to set up a successful IT business? Or Embassy Abandonment 101? Or maybe she can write a book on successful marriages. How to ignore your husband's blatant infidelity in an effort to get rich. Hillary is still in stage four clinger status, and she will never let go of the fact that she plain just got beat. At least President Trump has let go of that bone and moved on with sights on 22 and 24. Hillary is holding on to eight-track tapes in an effort to deny the relevancy of MP3 technology. It's over, Hillary. You got beat. And it is for so many other reasons than the delusional tropes you have been feeding yourself over the last five years. First, let me say that I have voted for candidates from either party several times over the years. I'm not a fringe party follower. I'm not a Hillary hater or a Trump lover. However, I did vote for him in 2020. Furthermore, I wouldn't let Hillary anywhere near American politics again after Benghazi and the email server, so I did not vote for her in 2016. I, ha I am, however, an ardent patriot and American and figured a little backstory would be a good thing 
based on my perspective you're about to hear. So okay, with that out of the way, let me get into the details. It was supposed to be a coronation. Think back to the primaries when Hillary was effectively handed the Democratic nomination by the party. Virtually all major Democratic candidates bowed out, and the primaries were supposed to be a coronation for sweet Hillary. And yet, out of nowhere, an unknown uh, person named Bernie Sanders gave Hillary a run for the money. What did Hillary stand for? Anyone? I'll admit, I only knew Sanders as a commie sympathizer who had been in the Senate since God was a corporal. But I will tell you that I remember much more about Sanders' campaign and his promises and pledges than those of Hillary, i.e. Sanders wanted $15 an hour minimum wage, broad health care coverage, debt relief for students, etc., etc., give everything away for free and nobody pays for it. I can't honestly recall a single pledge or important promise that Hillary made that wasn't borrowed or co-opted from Sanders. Bernie was a progressive, so she claimed to be a progressive, etc., she reluctantly endorsed a couple of Sanders' key pledges to gain his support. And Trump stood for something. And yes, some things could seem divisive, the border, the supposed Muslim ban, but nobody disagreed in their heart of hearts that these things weren't necessary, but they made them feel icky, so people cried. Why is it that it's so much easier to recall Trump's statements than Hillary's? It's not hers were more nuanced and require more thought. It's because she didn't clearly articulate her position sufficiently to make them stick in people's minds. She appeared to support corruption in her party. Remember how the Democratic Party was giving Sanders a difficult time during the primaries and the finger was pointing to the DNC head Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Then Bernie got his third house. And then later, after she resigned her position amid a scandal, Clinton hired Schultz on as a member of her campaign staff. The optics certainly looked very bad. At that point, there were many Democrats who said openly they couldn't support her. Trump exploited that perception. Trump didn't simply make up crooked Hillary. It was devised by someone who understood Hillary's weaknesses in the mind of the public. And regardless of whether she's been convinced of anything or not, the Republicans and Trump exploited that to great effect. It's something Hillary, and in fact all of Trump's other Republican primary candidates, couldn't counter effectively. Hillary, though her qualifications would be enough to get her elected in most people's eyes, and some people think that Trump was a buffoon and that he had no place running for president, no matter what your opinion is, but the majority of her campaign was about how qualified she was to be president and how unqualified he was i.e., she had been Secretary of State, a U.S. Senator for New York, the First Lady for eight years, etc., blah, 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 blah. And I can't recall how many times the word qualified was used to introduce or describe her. I recall both Obamas repeatedly talking about how she was the most qualified person ever to run for president, as if that meant anything to voters. Let's see, anyone remember a guy named George W. Bush? Sure, he had previously been the governor of Texas, but honestly, was he qualified to run the country? but he got elected twice. In his first campaign, Bush beat a very qualified guy named Al Gore. Gore had been a vice president for eight years, and prior to that, about 15 years of experience in the House and Senate. Talk about qualifications. Or how about that guy named Obama, who was just a junior senator with a few years of political experience? Sure, he was a state representative before, but that's not huge. Was he qualified to run a country? But he also got elected twice. In his first campaign, Obama beat a very qualified guy named John McCain with 20 years of service in the House and Senate. Anyone see a pattern here? 
Do qualifications matter? She wanted to be the first female president. It was pretty clear to me, at least, that Hillary was in the race more for Hillary than for the people of the country. She didn't want to be president. She wanted to be the first woman president. She expected women of all stripes to vote for her simply because she was a woman and she peed sitting down. And when she declared that Trump had misogynistic tendencies and evidence did come out, it became more apparent, she played those up. I'm not endorsing Trump's behavior at times by any means, but this is not how to run a campaign. Howard Dean famously said of John Kerry's failed bid against Bush in 2004, You can't beat Bush by being Bush light. Well, to paraphrase, you can't beat Trump by being not Trump. Well, at least without a shit ton of unconstitutional mail-in ballots and fast forward to 2020, but I digress. Democratic voters voted elsewhere or didn't vote. And don't forget people have choices. Even if there are only two major parties, there are a number of lesser candidates to vote for. A lot of Democratic voters either didn't vote at all or voted for Gary Johnson or Jill Stein. These two candidates got a total of almost 6 million votes. Johnson alone got 4.5 million votes. This is far more than any third-party candidate got in any election since 92 with Ross Perot. Note, in 2012, Johnson only received 1.27 million votes. He got more than three times that in 2016. That's huge. There were literally, literally millions of potential Clinton voters who chose not only to not vote for Hillary, but to vote for someone else. Think about that. In short, Hillary can blame Comey for his email investigation if she wants to. She can say misogyny, Trump, the Russians, etc. for her loss. But an honest assessment of the loss has to start with the campaign she ran. Yes, she got a lot of votes, but so did Trump. Voter turnout was pretty good for an American election, and a lot of people voted for her because they hated the alternative Trump. But the same is true for a lot of Trump voters who hated Hillary and still do. Both candidates were amongst the most hated by voters of the other party in any recent election. There's a huge difference in the dip on all graphs when it covers overall the working population. They know they were being screwed and they were pissed. Bernie addressed it. Trump addressed it. Hillary Clinton did not address the worker disparity. She was a neoliberal, business-as-usual conservative with too many ties to people who are doing very nicely, thank you, from the decline of the American middle class. And the people said, no thank you, not again. Even so, she might have pulled it off if she would just recognize the problem and made an effort. The very fact of Trump winning the nomination and Sanders nearly fighting her to a draw should have alerted her if she would take in the trouble to analyze what made them so popular, and also going to several states that she ignored in the election, even though people begged her to go. But she was blinded by her own sense of entitlement. So to recap, Clinton didn't bother to seriously campaign in any critical states, never represented a plan, and in some cases didn't even bother to show up in some states to even ask for their vote. She felt entitled expecting to be crowned the president, and anyone who didn't vote for her was a deplorable moron. Not exactly the best way to win someone's vote, because once the average citizen was in the voting booth, away from the cameras, the press, and the social pressure, they had the privacy to make up their own mind. A great power that swung the other way, because voters were tired of her bullshit, her scandals, and her sense of entitlement. Voters wanted a reason to elect her, and she never tossed them a single bone. 
Not one policy, no promises, and no ideas of how to make the nation better. Nothing. This is why Hillary lost. It wasn't the Russians. It wasn't WikiLeaks. And it wasn't even Comey and his last-minute letter to Congress. And I'm sure those didn't help. But most of it was her arrogance and the entitlement that caused millions of voters to cringe at the thought of that smug, pompous charlatan being given power she didn't even try to earn. Many Bernie Democrats were so disgusted, a hefty number of them didn't even show up to vote, which in turn caused Republicans to win the down-ticket votes too. So in the end, Donald Trump received over 300 electoral votes in what is being viewed as one of the biggest election upsets in history. The people spoke that night, and their message to Hillary couldn't have been more clear. Go fuck yourself. And after watching your most recent teary-eyed interview, I can say with confidence that Americans and their statement hasn't changed one little bit. Folks, thank you for watching the show tonight. I promise I will be back tomorrow for another show. We have a ton of people on, and that makes my heart swell with warm cackles of glee. I will go out like I always do, Veteran Crisis Hotline. What the hell are warm cackles of glee? I don't know. It just sounded good. 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. We have a lot of veterans that commit suicide, 22 veterans a day, in fact, and it goes up during the holidays. Please reach out to a vet. Make that phone call. Traumatic brain injury, PTS, anxiety, depression are all very real. Just had a great talk with the Travis Mannion Foundation today. I'm hoping to do some great work with them, and I'm excited. Not me, the company Valor. I don't have any association with TMF from a Don't Unfriend Me show, but everyone can do something. Anyone can do something. Make that call. If the vet won't talk to you, perhaps they will talk to another veteran. You can reach out to me. I'll make that call with you, or they can go to don'tunfriendly.com, click on the VCL link, and be connected to an operator. It's free. It's confidential. It will not impact them in their current service or in their private business life. Once again, and lastly, if you are not a veteran, you can be a normal citizen. They will never turn you away, and they will accept that phone call. Thank you, everybody, for watching the show. I will be back tomorrow with 265. It should be fun. I think I'm going to do a retail show. You notice how the Democrats are saying that all the retail theft and burglaries and strong-arm robberies are the retailer's fault. I take umbrage with that. 24 years in the business, I think I might know a thing or two about retail sales. Let's see if I can put it all together for you tomorrow night. Good night, everybody. Live show. Stay tuned. I'll be right back, and I'm going to answer all your questions. Thank you for watching. Don't unfriend me. You can love me. You can hate me. We can agree. We can disagree. Just don't unfriend me. Have a good night.